Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Michael Murphy has been a guest on The Opinion Line before. He is a former uh, retired lieutenant colonel from the army and uh, these days he trades under the company name of Sight Arms, uh, dealing in security risk and intelligence advice. And Michael, you've been thinking about this situation. They're calling it a failure of diplomacy, which sounds like the understatement of the year, but the question I'd be asking is, was was Vladimir Putin ever going to listen to anybody? Good morning. Good morning, Peter. Um, well, it it was something that wasn't tested. If I, this going back to the same one time I was on with you there in relation to terrorism, you, it's like what you have to do is think like the other person. And if you thought in the same way as the Russians see the West in the last number of years, then this is not an unexpected event. Yeah. From the Russians, and this, like some people would like to start their history in 2014. Uh, when the Russians took over and annexed Crimea. But in fact, you nearly have to go back to the 18th century, mid-18th century, to find out what has been going on here. Because traditionally, the West has been trying to curtail Russian access to the Black Sea and to the Mediterranean Sea. Mm -hmm. And if you were a Russian, you could see the NATO and the EU creeping their way towards the Russian frontier, uh, and if they had brought in Ukraine into NATO or into the EU, then the Russian access to the Black Sea could be curtailed. And that would leave the Russians with only one port up in the Baltic mm. to get into the Mediterranean or into the Atlantic, which could be controlled um, by the Western for NATO forces um, before they even got into the Atlantic. So for the, for the, for the Russians, Ukraine is very important to them. Yeah. And if they didn't take action, it was like Putin's last chance saloon. This was his only opportunity to be able to do something, mm. unfortunately. And if the West were using and understanding the Russian point of view, then diplomacy should have started about 15 years ago in relation to understanding this. Someone described Vladimir Putin uh, during the week, Michael, on a program I was listening to as, and you and I are old enough to remember, some listeners might be, certainly their parents would be, the breakup of the USSR. And, and uh -huh. someone described Putin as being a man who is still sore about that. Is that accurate? 
when you if, if what he is sore about, and if you read it, the way he actually wrote, wrote it and has spoken about it, is yes, when the USSR broke up, there were millions of Russians left within other states, um, which were part of the USSR at that time. Ukraine, remember this, in 1954, Khrushchev, who was the General Secretary of the Communist Party in the USSR, as a gift, handed Crimea from the Russians to the Ukrainians, to Ukraine, right? Khrushchev himself was a, a Ukrainian. And that was all okay during the time when they were all part of the one um, political system. Mm. But that system broke down in 91, and that left the Russians, of course, economically very weak in a very weak position um, strategically. Um, and the like, if, if you looked at it from a Russian point of view, the way the Soviet Union broke up long term put the Russian state in a very weak position. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No. no, I'm not saying that he. Like, can I just? I'm not saying from reading it that he's wanted the communist system to survive. Yeah. What he was saying is the way it happened was detrimental to Russian strategic interests. Right. Okay. Now, Michael, there's there, there's the, the military view of it. There's the strategic diplomacy view of it. Let's boil it down, though, to brass tacks. Should we, as ordinary people, going about our lives in our country, which is at least four hours away by air, should we be concerned? Well, anybody, everybody should be caring about trying to avoid war because in the end of the day, the the Ukrainian people are the ones who are going to suffer within all of this. Mm. And they're only the pawns in a, in a big game between the West and Russia. Ireland is on the east, on the, the West coast of Europe, far away from this. Okay. We are strategic or we are defenseless. We have no military power or capability of even defending ourselves. And here we are. We're talking with the big boys. If anything should untoward go on here, we are defenseless. We have no capability whatsoever, even to protect or uh, to find out what's in our skies. The might say protecting our cables, uh, the, the transatlantic cables coming into the state. If in fact it's like the the analogy, if, if, if the bully in the schoolyard, we're in a position where we should be hiding in the corner, hoping that nobody knows us. Because we are in no position to be able to defend ourselves in any way whatsoever, mm. and that's the way we've be, we've even become worse since 2011 under the, under when that government changed, and we didn't even have ministers for defence. We're in a very poor position. We have nothing coordinated in relation to security or defence within this state. Uh, and and in that case, I imagine we've really got to not put a foot wrong or a word place, correct? Correct. It's, I make the analogy of where the uh, guy goes from primary school into secondary school, the people in the intercert school are talking about the bully in sixth year, and the fellow who has not able to defend themselves go on to try and take out the bully, or to, t- to start teasing the bully. If you're not able to defend yourself, then you should be able to, or should in, in, in Brightness would tell you, keep your mouth shut and hopefully nobody notices you. Or else go and get yourself prepared. Simon Coveney has been saying this morning, his to, to paraphrase his words, this is the most serious invasion within Europe since 
1945. Now, when I hear 1945, a quick, brief study of any simple child's history book will tell you what happened after that, after after 1945. What are the chances, Michael? Are we on the brink of a possible world war here? Well, let's put it this way. The Biden administration has in the, in the White House for the last year, okay, they misread the Taliban in Afghanistan. And when you have an administration that can't even work out what the Taliban are going to do, then you really need to cross yourself and hope um, that they have some understanding of what the Russians are up to. And they have misread everything so far as I would consider, and that we're in dangerous times. With a man of your own military background, uh, I am asking you to consider this question from that point of view. Are you personally, Michael, worried for us or worried for the world, given your own military background and what you now do for a living? Well, all of this is is diplomacy. This has all got to do with the, the, the only people or the only states that are really involved in this are the United States, Russia, and also China on the other side. And unless they take cognizance of each other and their strategic interests, then there will be war. And all this rhetoric in relation to the information, and remember, information war is going on on both sides. And like at the moment in the in in the West, if you speak out and try and say, "Look, there is another side of this," you automatically get demonized as being a Putinite um, or a pro-Russian. No, I'm trying to t- say there's a need for common sense here. Is there any world individual, any person around who might be seen by all sides in this, Michael, as a fair arbiter? or any body or any country who might be seen as a fair arbiter that could draw all sides together and say, lads, sort it out? Well, in the past, you would have had small, smaller states, let's say. Ireland had an independent foreign policy at one stage. We were able to say things in public and try and get sides and, and even to be used as we were with the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Act Treaty to be able to get, um, you know, non-aligned uh, viewpoint. Um, France used to also be, when it came to the Russians, also was somewhat in that position. At the moment, I can't see any um, arbiter um, able to, unless the West understands and goes properly with, you know, with Russia. And I'm not saying Russia is right. I'm just saying... Russia has a pro- has a, has an interest here, which the West has not been taken cognizance of for the last since the, the fall of the of the, the Warsaw Pact. Mm. And lastly, and I don't want to personalise it, but I guess mm. Simon Coveney is the man in the crosshairs at the moment from an Irish point of view. Do you mm-hmm. have confidence in him to to drag us through this and to bring us say, bring us as a as as the people he represents safely through this? Well, I'm being honest in my own personal opinion. Simon Coveney has, is very much EU speak, allowing the EU as part of our foreign policy. Um, and we're running in with the, with the European Union. France and Germany can defend themselves 
And when the trouble, if it does happen, we will be left on our own. We won't even know what's in our skies. We need to be very careful in what we say and how we behave ourselves. And I, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to say is that Simon Coveney, as Minister of Defence and Minister for Foreign Affairs, well, certainly for Defence, the Commission on Defence that came out recently acknowledges that we cannot defend our country. I'll leave it with you there, Michael. We might talk again as this thing develops. Appreciate your candor based on uh, lifelong knowledge. Former Lieutenant Colonel, the Irish Army, and now an international advisor on security and intelligence risks. That's Michael Murphy of Sightarms. Well, it's, we are defenseless here. We are defenseless. We don't even know what's in the sky above us. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. One thing that connects Ireland to Ukraine, more than you would think, is surrogacy. It's one of the countries that Irish people use as a way to, you know, have a child through surrogacy. Sam, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Sam, are you concerned at the moment? Um, Absolutely. I mean, I guess nobody imagine that they'd be waking up to this this morning, you know. Um, we're all really deeply concerned about the situation over there. And I guess we really just stand in solidarity with the Ukrainian people and, you know, our Irish couples over there, surrogate mothers, our friends, our clinics. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're in our thoughts and our, our hearts at the minute, you know. You've been there a couple of times and you're planning, I think, to go back again. I was planning, yes. <laughs> I think everything has uh, gone up in the air Um Lately, uh, I really feel like the rug has been pulled out from from under me, uh, as uh, I suppose a, a lot of couples are in a similar situation to myself. So, you know, there there is no possibility for us to to go to the Ukraine at the moment. So, unfortunately, it's it's a very um, upsetting situation on all fronts. Mm. I know that there were a, a number of couples with babies either close to being born or had just been born through surrogacy and, and couldn't get there, couldn't collect their child. That must be an awful situation in which to find themselves. Do, do you know any of those people? Uh, not specifically. Uh, we do know that there are a small number of couples out there um, and we know that there are contingency plans that have been put in place, um, although I don't know the specific mm. details of any individual couples. But what I do know is that the Department of Foreign Affairs have been absolutely excellent with their assistance and they're supporting all couples over there and are w- working around the clock to provide um, assistance to them through this difficult time. Why is it that people go to somewhere like Ukraine Sam, surrogacy, surely we have, as they say, we have the technology and the ability to do it here. So, so why do people feel they have no option to go to Ukraine? Well, I think in principle, um, domestic surrogacy isn't really sufficient for us at the moment due to the amount of people needing surrogacy support and the lack of availability over here, you know, and I think um, you know, the likes of the Ukraine, um, Canada, US and so on, they, they've really set themselves up um, in, a, in a legislated way in order to support couples who need to undergo this procedure. Uh, we just don't have the legislation in place at the moment to be able to support ourselves and um, 
although we are having um, the assisted, um, the AHR bill that's being put in place now that, that will hopefully help us. Um, but in fact, you know, the numbers speak for itself. You know, I mean, 80, we know that there's about 80% of people pursue international surrogacy. Um, and we don't really know the true number because we don't know those people who haven't spoken out yet. Um, but we just don't have the, the facility domestically at the moment. It's not a decision people take easily. I mean, I'm sure in your own case, Sam, you, you tried every possible avenue before you decided upon surrogacy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, from my experience, I mean, I was born with severe medical complications. And the, the take-home message for surrogacy is that anybody who undergoes surrogacy, it's the last option. Um, you know, no mother wants somebody else to carry their baby for them. Um, in, in my case, I've had 17 major surgeries um, to correct my condition. And it's left me unable to carry my own children. Um, in, in other cases, there are friends and colleagues of mine, you know, they've had MRKH, they have severe lung conditions, cystic fibrosis, etc. So mm-hmm. it's really a difficult decision when you come to surrogacy. It's literally the end of the road. Um, and there's no other choice and no other option. So it, it's very difficult to get to that point. Um and it's even harder to kind of go through the rest of it, you know. Yeah. And and now knowing that the chances, and I'm, I'm sure that you, that I'm sure there's great expense involved and all that, and you were planning to go in May, and now that chance hanging by a thread this morning, and you say you probably have to forget about it, that must be very difficult to deal with, Sam. I mean, absolutely, um, you know, and along with, with many other people in my situation, we're, we're kind of wondering you know, what to do. It's a very disappointing situation. Um, you know, I've been on this journey since August 2020. So it's been a long road already so far. And there just seem to be setbacks between the pandemic and now this. It just seems like there's a load of adversity in the way. So I guess the only thing we can do is just really, um, you know, not focus too much on ourselves and really just put our hearts and our thoughts with the people of Ukraine at the minute. It's a very terrible situation for them. And, you know, we really just want to show our support and, you know, Irish families through surrogacy have done a a wonderful job in supporting a lot of our intended parents as well. So, you know, I think we need to just really rally around our intended parents and just help support them through this really emotional time. Yeah, because I'm sure that having been there twice yourself, you'll have met people and I've only ever been there myself once for work a long time ago, and the people I met were just lovely, lovely people. I, I feel for, I feel particularly for for the younger people, for families, for people trying to go about their days' work. It 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 must it must personally worry you for the people you've met and dealt with. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it, it's very concerning, and you know we're we're following the news. You know, we're we're just hoping that you know all of our friends and uh, Irish couples out there can you know stay safe um, and really just you know we're really just thinking of them. Um, it, it's it's an extremely worrying situation, and we're all deeply concerned for them. You know. All right, listen, Sam. I'm sure we can talk again sometime about the whole surrogacy issue and the law around surrogacy because we've been very interested in it here on the book as a separate subject, the law concerning surrogacy. But thank you for being with us today, and I wish you well in your own future. And I hope that one day it all works out for you. That's Sam. Thank you. Courts ninety six FM. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 